0: Barbara Byers, thank you for joining me again today with Voices of the Soul, and I apologize for my voice, I'm a little hoarse, um, but I think we'll get through this. If you'd like notes to go with today, go to my website, BarbaraByers.com, and you'll find them there. Today, we're going to talk about appetites, and um, appetites are the connectors between the body and the soul. So they are both of the body and they are of the soul. So I think it's important to talk about them. Our bodies experience sensation through our eyes and our ears and our nose and uh, a mouth, uh, through our skin and touch. And our appetites engage all these bodily senses. And they are the energy of the body transferred into need. So the energy of the body transferred into need. Hunger, thirst, rest, sexual drives, exercise, touch, and they are very legitimate needs. We're created with these. And they're they're needs that are also interconnected with our thoughts and our emotions. So all these are connected in our soul and in our body. They help us survive, they help us thrive, they help us enjoy life, and so on. And appetites are like the power supplies of energy that propel us forward in necessary ways. I need to feel hungry so that I can eat, so that I can supply my body. The problem comes when this energy um, flows in ways it's not supposed to flow in. We want to have this energy but not be driven by it. In fact, we are the one... Uh, with our soul who need to direct it so it's like a river but a river flooding its banks is very destructive but with appropriate banks we guide that river and it's very life-giving so our physical being is an incredible gift from God we know each other through our physical being and we are creation of God and God loves matter the enemy hates matter but God loves matter, he's our maker. And so we really need to pause and consider how can we live in these bodies? Because he made us and he made us so good so that we can begin to have a gratefulness about our bodies so we can see it as a deep and sacred trust to have these bodies so that we can be courteous toward our own bodies and sort of make friends with our bodies. Some of us have never made friends with our body. So we can care for our bodies and use them well on this earth in the time that we have. Um, We see this in Jesus. He came in a body. He came in a body and the body became fully man. And that body was vitally necessary to expressing his ministry on the earth into accomplishing what God wanted to accomplish to release the power to heal, and then his very body became a sacrifice. And if we're to be like him, it means we're to use our body well as an expression of what we have been created for, filled with the Holy Spirit. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we're inhabited By the Holy Spirit we house such grace and such beauty and it should be considered a privilege. Romans 12, 1 and 2, this passage Paul tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's something our soul chooses, our will chooses to present our body before the Lord. And he says it's only our reasonable service of worship. Um, And then as we do that, our mind will be transformed. It's interesting, the interconnection there in the body being presented to the Lord and the mind then available to be transformed and renewed in Him rather than conformed to the image of the world. So these are linked and they're both necessary, Paul says, to prove what is the good and right will of God. It's pretty clear when he says that Presenting our body to the Lord is part of our part of our worship. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul tells us that we've been redeemed. We have been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. We think of our bodies as our own, and they are in the sense that it's our responsibility, but we've been purchased and they're not our own. They really belong to the Lord. So therefore, The way we show that is we glorify God in our bodies. It's His temple. I mean, that is such a singular thought, you know, that we can actually glorify God in these bodies, that these are temples of His. It's not just in our soul, and our spirit, but in our body. Another translation of that says, a price has been paid for you, so make your body a showplace of God's greatness. I like that. So our whole being is a gift to us that we can offer back to the Lord by the way we live and glorify Him. Our choices in what we do with the appetites of our body really do matter and they're an expression of worship. We can use them righteously or unrighteously. Romans 8 says we can present our bodily parts to Him as weapons of righteousness. Do you ever think of your body as a weapon of righteousness? We kind of don't tend to think in those terms, do we? But we can offer ourselves to God in this way and do so regularly. We present our body to the Lord and we present our appetites to the Lord. And this is an ongoing holy surrender to the Lord. We keep offering ourselves to him. We keep moving against our sinful tendencies. We keep yielding to him and not to the demands of the body. And it makes our bodies an ally in our Christian walk. So the inclination to wrongdoing is present within us. We know that. That's that's the carnal self. But our body is really our domain, and it's linked to our soul. And so it is our responsibility and our privilege to say, my body is my domain and I'll choose what I do with it and not let these sinful inclinations dominate me, I'll rather yield to the Holy Spirit. We live in a culture where everything is sexualized. We live in a culture where we're encouraged to let our body do what it wants to do our bodies are used for abortion, our bodies are used for drugs and uh, excess alcohol and food, but we're to be a people set apart, which means we're holy to the Lord. And so we make conscious choices as to what we do with our body and what we lend our body to, how we express all of our appetites, God really loves matter and he really loves our body. So our, in, our, our enemy is gonna to try to distort these appetites. He's gonna try literally to destroy our body. And um, even though we're inhabited by grace, we can carry a lot of body hostility and we can carry a lot of body shame. Unless we learn to truly love and accept ourselves, we're not gonna be able to fully accept our body as something good is something acceptable. We'll, we'll look in the mirror and pick ourselves apart and the enemy will absolutely use this to turn to turn our eyes on the old self. I wonder if sometimes the source of our autoimmune disease, the autoimmune is when the body actually turns on itself and uses up its own resources and starts destroying its own processes. I wonder if the source of some of our autoimmune diseases isn't right here where we have hostility toward our bodies. We get in agreement with the enemy about our unworthiness. So that's why true self-acceptance, developing the virtue of true self-acceptance is really important. So we accept our bodies and we just realize more and more their importance and we realize more and more that we can have influence over them and that we're influenced by them. Our bodies are influenced by our emotions. Just think of when you have a sudden fear, you feel it in your body. The body responds as well. Some thoughts and attitudes the body responds to. And there's this important interplay between all of it. Attitudes settle into our body you're around a joyful person, their body shows it. Their face, their eyes, their smile shows it. Or a disgruntled person, their face, their body shows it. The sag of their shoulders and so on. Um, How we touch others, how we withhold touch, how we allow others to touch us, all that is about our body. So the voice of the appetite then is I need. I need these are legitimate needs but it it can intensify into I demand in which we develop strongholds like addictions or it can be suppressed into I don't need anorexia I don't need food Uh, I don't need touch our appetites can either serve us and serve us well or they can erupt in harmful ways like the waters flooding the banks of that river and take over and then they become cravings which becomes addictions and then the addictions drive us. Or they can be channeled and help us enjoy all good things as God intends. He actually designed our bodies for pleasure. You know, in Proverbs, it tells me be exhilarated with your wife right? He's talking about the sexual pleasure there. He wants us to have enjoyment but within boundaries, right? So when our soul is not functioning properly, then an appetite such as hunger or sexuality or something like that, exercise, sleep can take over and can begin to demand and just literally it's everything we think about and everything we order our lives according to. You know, that that next cigarette, I'm going to have that next drink, uh, that next view of porn. Um, because the body's needs are sensory, then that's where the temptation is going to be. It's going to be right at that point. Food and sex and all of that. And when we abdicate... These energies, when we abdicate these sources, we are going to develop into, like with food, into into gluttony, um, into all sorts of addictions. The body really has its own agenda, and its agenda is no, ple- no pain, only pleasure. So the enemy will get involved, of course, in all of this, and then he'll dupe us into acting like we don't have any choice and we are victims of our appetites you know after all i must eat actually actually we can choose to fast Uh, so we really can bring our appetites under control the fruit of the spirit is self-control right so it is both a fruit of the holy spirit and it is a virtue that we develop by long practice we have a decision and the decision is What God are we going to worship? The gods of our appetites are the one living God. What God are we going to allow to claim us? So let me break down now uh, this into various appetites. Food and hunger. It's an essential. Uh, God's created food, and he's created it for our good. It's, uh, It's given to us to have communion with God, to sit and have communion and celebration with others. And when we allow food to become a sacrament, it makes God known to us. Taste and see the Lord is good, scripture says, but our food consumption can be and often is an expression of our brokenness and of our pain. Many of us aren't at home in our own bodies. And how we receive food, how much we eat, how we take it in, if we hide it, reflects some of our brokenness. Some of us carry excess weight because we never learn to form really disciplined, healthy eating. Or because, as is often the case, we're eating our pain. Uh, For some of us, sugar is the acceptable addiction, but often uh, in in our modern diseases now that they're finding so much is about the inflammatory response, sugar is the big culprit. So when we look at that, we we can look at, well, what, what is hidden in this desire for sugar? What need is here? What pain is here? There may be maybe a true desire to experience more of the sweetness of life, and we need to bring that to the Lord and connect with that. So two important appetites mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13 are food and sex. And he says about those, all things are allowable to him, but not all things are necessary. Not all things are profitable. God wants us to profit and He wants us to abound, and so these things are important. Paul said they're lawful, but I'm not going to be mastered by them, so I'm going to take control over them. Food is for the stomach, uh, and the body's not for immorality, but the body's for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. So whether it's food or uh, sexual addiction, drinking, whatever, um, when we get our intimacy our identity needs met in this way? That's an illegitimate way. We're trying to fill up physical needs that are masking other real needs of the soul. And, and often we're trying to push away our anxieties with our addictions. We just have to keep coming and turning to him in our hungers and finding him in that and inviting him to unmask what's the, what's the real need here? What's the real need? Uh, David in Psalm 84 said, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My body longs for the Lord as well as my heart. Sometimes we don't realize that. And every part of us, including our body, can surrender to the Lord, can surrender to His love. Often, the more deeply we're able to take in His love, the more easily then physical healing can also come into our body. Okay? The second one I want to mention is touch and sexuality. Uh, One thing we need is touch. We need the tactile. Uh, We thrive through touch. And touch has been called the double sensation because when we touch another, we are also touched. Interesting. Um, And uh, babies fail to thrive if they're not touched. They can be fed, they can be kept warm, they can be clothed, and if they're not picked up and cuddled and touched, they can die from failure to thrive. Touch deprivation is, is a terrible thing. Psychologically, something happens when we touch another, and something wonderful happens when we touch another in safe ways. Something in us is awakened. Something in us is connect, connected. And the more whole we are, the more we can discern what's safe touch and what's good touch, and the more safe we are ourselves toward others, Um, and the more we can offer healing touches to others. The more at home we are in our bodies, the more we're going to embody Christ in the world and give safe touch and give healing touch. Our sexuality is a is a beautiful gift. It is quite a power within us. It is a beautiful gift of our and a dimension of our personhood. Uh, broken sexuality in that area cannot be healed. We, we don't just spot like that. It cannot be healed apart from uh, healing our whole identity, from knowing our whole identity in Christ unrestrained sexual appetites have come up, they've opened the door to lust, but they often originate from our deep need for connection, for touch, and often from lack of bonding in the early years. In the video where I talk about sense of being, I talk about this a little more. We're made for connection, and the lack of connection leaves us very vulnerable to sexual sin and to pursuing it in wrong ways because a physical sexual connection is a very deep connection it has it has emotional and spiritual dimensions to it as well in 1 Thessalonians 4 3 through 8 Paul tells us this we are to possess our own vessels our own bodies and he really particularly means sexual vessels in sanctification and honor so possessing our own bodies well is part of honoring the lord is part of our ongoing sanctification and transformation interestingly this is the same language that's used in luke 21 19 when jesus tells us to possess our own souls there's something we're to possess and we may have thought of our body as less important you know, that, that happens sometimes. Oh, it's, you know, it's our soul and our spirit and our bodies less important. But uh, how we use our bodies is very important to our sanctification. So much so that we're told to possess it with honor and to embody Christ in our bodies. And he even, uh, Paul even compares sexual sin to rejecting the Holy Spirit. He does we can defraud others when we misuse our bodies not just a sin against our own body it's a sin against others so we're to honor our own bodies well and we're to honor the bodies of others well and honor the holy spirit within us by governing our sexuality well part of our maturity is making peace with our sexuality and we are to bring that literally we bring it to the altar and we offer it to the lord We begin to understand how much power it has and how much power uh, we can have over others if we misuse it. We have been bought with a price and we are called to chastity. So if we're single, we're called to celibacy as well as chastity. But we direct this energy by self-regulation, by possessing our own soul and freedom. All right, what about rest? We need sleep and we need rest. And some of us are so restless that we have a hard time settling. God created us in His image, and He created us for rest. He Himself rested on the seventh day. He took a whole day to rest, and He wants us to honor what He's created and to rest like Him. And, you know, if we are restless, if we're uneasy in our own bodies, we can can ask our body, and we can ask the Lord, What? You know, what is this telling me? What's my body telling me? Lord, what are you trying to say? What does my body need that I might rest? Once we get the message and start responding to it, you know, maybe there's stored grief or stored anger or there's trauma or whatever, then our body can start responding as well. Um, Anxiety, undealt with, can lead to all kind of sleep disorders. But Scripture tells us God wants to give... uh, his beloved sleep. He wants to give us rest. And where we have carried unacknowledged anger, where we carry depression or other things, once we acknowledge it, once we deal with it, our body can let go of it as well. And we don't have to carry, um, and sometimes our body will get diseased. Organ language will express things that our soul hasn't dealt with. Okay so dealing with our appetites you know every appetite doesn't have to be expressed all the time we can be thirsty for a while or hungry for a while or wait on our sleep for a while paul said he learned the secret of contentment that he could be full and he could be empty he and he went on to say he could do all things through christ who strengthens him so we can meet the demands of the bodily appetite with that affirmation. Christ lives in me. He strengthens me. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This need doesn't have to turn into a demand. So the critical question is, what do we do with the force of our appetites since they have such a crucial place in creation, in our creation, and they're expressed in both the body and the soul? And uh, death to self, again, is the key. Romans 6 is where we find this. Romans 6, 6 through 14. Our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin, those appetite demands, might be made powerless that we should no longer be slaves to sin. If we've died with Christ, we shall also live with him. Even so, here's the key, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal in your mortal body to obey its lust. Present yourself to God, for you are under grace. That was Romans six. Isn't that beautiful? So we live in a way where we reckon ourselves or we consider ourselves dead to sin. Is there a demanding Carnal part of us that wants to rise up? Yes. And we reckon with it. We reckon ourselves dead to the pull and the power of that thing. At the same time, we reckon ourselves dead to it. We present ourselves alive to God, is a living sacrifice. So we do both those things, and this is our victory, the empowering presence of Christ within us. As we live out of this reality, He gives us the empowering to put our appetites to death in the right way, to bring them under our possession, under our, our control, and then to also enjoy them without being overcome by them. So as I said before, we, we, the, the uh, self-control is both the fruit of the Spirit, given to us, imparted to us by the Spirit, and it's something we develop as a virtue. It's His rule and reign in us, regulating us. It's so beautiful. And then we can call on Him for help right at the place of our temptation, right at the place of greatest need. We learn to put those sinful inclinations in check and live more and more and more by the Holy Spirit. And we'll stumble in this at first We'll, when we're trying to change a habit. But the more we lean, the more we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, the more we find this at work within us. Because our body is already a habitation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, already He's within us. And where we find our spirit willing, but our flesh weak, we we. Train our will to keep choosing the good things, and then self-control develops. So let me talk for a moment about addiction. St. Augustine called addiction a cruel necessity. Mm. I need, I seek, but it is never enough. It's like a fire of Proverbs 30 that's never satisfied. You know, fires don't self-contain. They just burn and burn and burn as long as there's air and as long as there's some kind of fuel. And addiction is really that fire. C.S. Lewis called it an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure, right? And our patterns of addictions arise from several things, from our lust, from our long-term practices and habits, From our coping styles from generational iniquities and things we've learned in our families and then we find i i can't deliver myself i'm caught in this trap and i can't deliver myself i have surrendered to this god and i keep going under its power and i think this is especially true of our bodily appetites where we have uh, our sex and food and of course alcohol and drugs are all part of that. I think it's especially true with these because these were part of our essential design. We can't go for very long right, without eating. And so we get, um, we're prone to idolize their importance in our lives and to make them greater than, the, than they are and then they become very disordered. And then we develop rituals and the way we practice them and the rituals develop into addictions. Addiction is a complex issue, far greater than I can cover uh, in a few minutes here, but it causes so much suffering and so much deprivation. And what we're trying to do actually is to avoid suffering, and we end up in greater suffering. So it's rooted both in the temptation we're experiencing and our lust for that thing, but also in the pain underneath that's driving it, the unresolved uh, emptiness within us. We're trying to cope and escape because we didn't really learn healthy strategies to begin with, probably in our family of origin. We don't know how to manage our emotional distress, so we look for pain relief and addiction is pain relief, but it creates another kind of pain as well. So the pathway of addiction is we feel empty, we feel anxious, we feel shame or fear, or this pain beginning and we want to ease it. So we ease it with something and then we start to get preoccupied with that. Uh, What soothed my anxiety last time? Okay, let me go take another hit of something, another drink of something, another look at something. And that will relieve and distract me for a while, but then a ritual I get set up in my pursuit of that thing. And then after I act out, then I feel shame and powerlessness and hopelessness and all those things. And then, but I'm seduced into believing this is what's gonna help me. And yet it leaves me uh, not helped and it's so illusory. It's such an illusion. I'm really looking for intimacy and belonging and identity and comfort and so on empowerment, vitality, but what I'm really getting is just the opposite. So long before a person is completely out of control with their addiction, they fought and lost many battles on this front, uh, and, and, uh, and again, it's often emotionally driven. So one of the great needs for people in addiction or moving toward addiction is an infusion of hope that the Lord will meet them, that the Lord can meet them, that the Lord longs to meet them. And sometimes we just feel like we are out of options. We are so helplessly in the grip of this thing. And that is an illusion from the enemy too. We are not, we, we don't have to be slaves to unrighteousness. Our healing involves coming to the one true God Uh, and his son has suffered on the cross already to pay the price for that addiction, to set us free, to bring us out of the bondage of slavery because he rendered powerless that power over us. Because his Holy Spirit is within us, our appetites don't have to have the mastery. They need expression, but they don't need mastery. Since we're alive to God, we can be dead to sin. Because His Holy Spirit is alive within us, we surrender our bodies to Him. So, health and freedom is ours, and God's design is that we develop healthy patterns. Hopefully, some of those grooves were shaped during our childhood, but for many of us, you know, that that just didn't happen. Um, These habits are grooves that are worn into our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings and they create these channels for all of our future responses they create the channel for the rivers to run in they were initially initially reactions or responses but they became choices and they become choices now when we're faced with what needs to change oh i, I need to stop this i need to stop smoking this is not good for my health and now it becomes a choice and I'm gonna to have to, to have the victory, I'm gonna to have to dismantle the structures and the habits and the thoughts that have come with us. So, and I'm gonna to have to pay the price for a new architecture. So habits have three points. First is the trigger, the stimuli, the prompt, the trigger, uh, such as a delicious aroma. Mm-hmm. The second is the action, and that's how I respond. Oh, my goodness, I smell croissants. I think I'm going to go have to have one, right? Or I smell croissants. This is not the day to to eat that Um, pastry. And the third is the the reward, and the reward is the dopamine that gets released into my body. It's a a brain chemistry that really makes me feel good a little bit, okay? And habits are hard to undo because they are firmly secured in the brain in a permanent circuit. Uh, They actually never really go away because they are in this permanent circuit. So what you have to do is you have to develop a different permanent circuit to overcome this circuit uh, so that this new one supersedes the old one. So habits are by habits overcome. And this is the exchange life in Christ, reckoning ourselves dead to the old, reckoning ourselves alive to the new and taking the next step into that to develop that group, to develop that new habit pattern to live unto him. And our reward is freedom. Uh, It's out in front of us, this freedom. It is ours. And we need to have a vision for our own freedom. And it has to be bigger than, oh, you know, I I really don't want to mess up so I better not do that. That's just living defensively, and it's not living victoriously. We need to articulate each area with the Lord. Where don't I have full freedom? Maybe I'm not in full addiction, but I don't have full freedom. And where do I want to have freedom? So to grow in the Lord, we set these goals. We set small goals and we, we work toward them, and this really works with our appetites. We are strengthened as we make small and disciplined choices, whether it's sexuality, food, sleep, exercise, and we can develop these uh, disciplines, then they're really holy habits, they're really spiritual disciplines, around our appetites. We can use prayer, fasting, Sabbath rest, Excuse me, quietness, listening, um, journal writing, scripture meditation, practicing His presence. And we always need community. We always need the body of Christ around us. So real freedom is when we bring our energy under governance. Our own governance, which is under the governance of the Holy Spirit. And when we regain intentional ways of moving forward with our freedom. Remember that in the adult, these out of control appetites often mask underlying pain that has to be dealt with. So to master our appetites, we're gonna have to do two things. We're going to have to say no to uh, the behaviors when we are stimulated to move that direction and develop new habits. But we're also gonna have to deal with the underlying pain and ask the Lord Uh, to show us what that is, so that we no longer soothe that with this. And as the pain emerges, we walk through that with the Lord. Ruth Altrum of um, Bethel School uh, suggested the process of freedom. And she says, um, as is the case, there's a process of stepping into this and walking out the freedom. In any addiction, another word for the scripture word for that is idolatry so in any addiction we're in idolatry because we're looking to someone or something a process or a substance to give us fulfillment and comfort rather than looking to the lord we if we continue to indulge and continue to find our satisfaction somewhere else it becomes compulsive it becomes enslaving Then shame comes in and starts covering this. And then we want to hide in secrecy and we want to isolate. And that's the point um, that we've got to find out, okay, what's really going on in our heart? Because the Lord wants to intervene right there. So we invite him in. Right there, That's the point. A lot of times we don't want to invite him in. We feel so much shame. We go, oh, no, I can't ask the Lord in here right now, and I just ate a big piece of chocolate pie. That's the, that's the time you actually do need to invite him in, hopefully before you take a bite, but after, two, you invite him in. Uh, the primary issue is that we need to know, experience, and encounter his love. Once we know the belovedness that He brings to us, once we know our identity in Him is secure, we're His child and that can never be shaken. That gives us a foundation then for going after these things and for, and for finding our victory. And by the way, we need to know we can be victorious. So we can build one victory at a time I build a little victory and then more is possible and I build another victory. And that's one of the things we need to know about ourselves, that we are victorious, that we can be victorious. So God encounters us, as I said, that's the first thing. And the second thing is the process of walking out those encounters, the process of staying in the fight. He meets us, we know we're forgiven, We may even experience a powerful deliverance from something. I read a book last night, and this gal called out to the Lord after a year of cocaine addiction, and He delivered her immediately. A little later in the book, the Lord was dealing with her, and He said it's time to give up cigarettes. He didn't deliver her immediately that time. She had to walk that one out. So that's a good example of this we need the process of learning how to walk free and then learning to be anchored in to that freedom. If we only ever expect the sort of big God encounter, oh, just come and deliver me from this appetite, you know, um, then we're only gonna live for the big moments and we're gonna be sorely disappointed because that's not what God's created us for. He's created us to be powerful, victorious people who walk in freedom. So we need to learn to use the tools he's given us. So <clears throat> to do so, we need to recognize our own rituals. Maybe it's loneliness and boredom that provokes you that that stimulates this this trigger. Uh, but we start recognize our, our ritual so that we can interrupt it, so that we can... Right there, invite the Lord in. And, and part of that is we're going to have to break our shame and isolation and invite people in. When Ruth was taught, giving this teaching and talking about herself, her addiction was masturbation. And it began to break the day that she leaned over to a friend. I think they were at a conference, I don't remember. And said, I have this problem. This is what I do. And her friend turned to her with such compassion and such love and such forgiveness. And that was exactly what she needed to take in uh, from the body of Christ to begin to heal and to know it was safe to bring her shame and her sin and say, I need help with this. So, you know, with our addictions, we're trying to shift away from painful emotions. We're not trying to get involved, we're trying to soothe them away. And the thing we need at first is is self-awareness. So if we've been caught in a temptation, in one of these bodily appetites, I think it's important to stop and say, what was happening around that time? What was going on with my emotions? Was I tired and vulnerable? Was I feeling lonely? Was I angry? Was I depressed? And we articulate these to God. You see the intersect here of our emotions and thoughts and appetites. And we take the time to sit down and say, Lord, what is it I am responding to? Is it an anxiety that tends to get created in a particular type of situation? And uh, it really helps to write it out and invite the Lord into that. Addiction is always connected to our belief system. And that belief system will be filled with lies that really inform that addiction, rejection, unworthiness, hopelessness, incompetence. We invite the Lord into that. Those are the sore spots. We we start bringing our pain into the light. And as we come to know ourselves as the beloved, deeply known and accepted, that he is for us, that the cross is for this, that all of our pain, all of our addiction, all of our weakness, all of our tendencies to certain things can be taken into the cross, then we begin to heal. And then we can come out and begin to use the tools and walk in the freedom that he gives us. So I'd like to pray for us now in this area. So just get comfortable and receive from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We have been wonderfully and beautifully made. Lord, we thank you for our bodies and we release our body to you. Lord, we release our body image to you as well. Just think of each part of your body now from your head to your toes and give him each part, even your sexual organs, give him each part your sensory organs, eyes and ears, and so on. Just take take time to bring each part of your body before the Lord, and you, you may notice something that comes up as you do this. Um, you're thinking about something you've just given him, and you think, I, I, I've never really liked that part of my body. As you bring that to him, just repent of that, He has made you so beautifully. Just kind of move your body around for a minute and feel the good of it. I mean, He's given us this ability to have physical movement that is so wonderful and to express ourselves through our body. We have voices, we have eyes to see. We can see others, it's a wonderful thing. Let's praise Him. So let's just just pray this with me, prayer of repentance. Lord, anywhere I have idolized my body, um, anywhere I've lived in any kind of shame or fear of my body or hatred of my body, I repent now, or I've given it too much importance in my thought, I repent now. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. I choose now to offer my body to you and step out of any attitudes of idolatry to my body or hatred about any part of my body. I want to live in gratefulness for who I am, how I look, what you've given me, the age I am now, the gender I am now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for any ways I have misused my body to gratify myself, sometimes time and time again, or where I've misused my body to manipulate or control others, whether it's food or sex or drink or overwork, over-exercise, lack of rest. I repent of idolatry where I've let my appetite dominate and just take a moment and be specific with the Lord here now. He already knows and he invites you to tell him. I repent of lies I've believed, especially that the objects of my appetite will give me the love and acceptance and comfort that I really want. Mm. I repent of any shame, I repent of any self-judgment and I set my heart and mind towards you now, Lord, that by your empowering grace, I will take care of my body. I will be courteous toward it. I will honor it and use it in honoring ways, Lord. My appetites are gifts from you to help me live in wonderfully healthy ways, and I thank you for that. Now pause a minute and um, just sort of answer this. What appetites are you having difficulty overcoming? What do you need to render powerless that's had power over you to make you its slave? Maybe there's been a a secret habit you've been ashamed of. Just confess that now and ask His grace to enter. He forgives you. We confess our sin, and His forgiveness is there in that moment. He forgives us, and He washes us, and He's so willing to engage with us with His grace and help. Just whisper to the Lord what He already knows. And then, are you willing to face the pain of dying to these things that have been out of control, that have had dominion? Are you willing to stay with the loneliness or anxiety, whatever the pain is, long enough to feel it and let it emerge and bring it into the Lord instead of using the old ways of coping? Lord, we ask for a fresh grace now for you to meet us in these things, grant us such cleansing from these things and the strengthening of our will so that we might face the inner wounds and that we might face any lies we believed, any pain that feeds the appetites in wrong ways. Thank you. Thank you for this grace. Release us, Lord, and release your hope into us in new ways that real freedom really is ours, that we really can find the way through you to walk in new ways. As you are so compassionate to us, let us have the same patience, the same compassion toward ourselves, Lord. As we walk out of these two strong appetites and learn to master them, bring us transformation in the way we even see ourselves and treat ourselves and see our body in the ways we respond to our appetites. Thank you, Lord. It's your love, your forgiveness, your empowering presence that does all this. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. For joining me again. If you want the notes, go to my website, BarbaraBuyers.com, and I hope to see you next time.